0: to the Not Your Mom podcast, the birth and parenting podcast for people who do not primarily identify as mom. You've got other shit going on in your life and this is just one component of it. So we're all about identifying that, you know, there's there's more to you than just this role as a parent and the ways that that may influence how you parent. So today I am, I'm I'm like feeling like I need to say good morning because it is very early in the morning here, uh, like 5.30 a.m. And I've been looking at PubMed reading research studies already for 20, 30 minutes this morning. But it is what it is. This is when the time worked for me to do this. And I'm like pouring coffee. I feel like I should give you like the slurpy coffee sound so we can just like sit and have our coffee together. Um, we are talking today about C-section, cesarean birth, belly birth, as it is sometimes called now. I'm mostly going to call it C-section because that's what most people call it. You know what I'm saying? And it's easy to say, easier to say than cesarean birth. Um, some people, you know, because C-section or cesarean section. Uh, sounds so clinical. Some people don't love that name, so I apologize if that is you. Um, the first thing I want to say about C sections is that they're still a real birth, right? So I think some people have, um, especially if it's an unplanned C section, they may come out of their birth feeling like it. You know, they didn't do birth right, or that they're not a real mom because they didn't have a vaginal birth very much not the case. Um, I want to be clear that I have no judgments at all around how you birthed or whether you had a C-section by choice, if it was a planned C-section or unplanned. Whatever you felt was the right thing to do in your birth, I am behind you 100%. So nothing we're going to talk about today with C-sections is about judgment or thinking that you should have done it differently or that there was a better way to do it. You did the best thing that you knew to do at the time. And that may or may not have been um, clinically necessary. Uh, but if it's what you chose to do, then it was the right choice. So with all of that out of the way, judgment-free space, I love you no matter how you birth. You still count. You're still a parent. Let's talk about some of the complications that can come with C-sections. So I want to be very clear that like the research on this topic kind of sucks. I just spent a long time on PubMed, and basically the only thing that I could get a research study showing is that C-sections are not protective against pelvic floor dysfunction or other postpartum complications. So we know that, like from a clinical standpoint, we know that C-sections don't necessarily prevent other issues like incontinence and low back pain and things like that. There is some association between C-section and low back pain in the research, but a lot of the research doesn't find what I and other practitioners have seen anecdotally, which is that there's a significant correlation between C-section and lots of other symptoms, like... Chronic low back pain, like urge incontinence, like pelvic floor pain or um, pain with penetration, like digestive issues. So we're seeing this in an individual setting, right? So one of the things, I mean, it could be that we're not seeing this in the research because the research isn't looking for what we're looking for. Or it could be that we're not seeing this in the research because it's not happening on a large enough scale or universally enough across the population that we're seeing higher incidence of specifically, let's say, like, digestive issues among people who've had C-sections compared to the general population. And, you know, that doesn't that, like, I know, reading research studies is what everyone was hoping we would talk about all day. We won't talk about it much longer, I promise. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean it's not happening on an individual basis, right? So like maybe I've gone my whole life with no low back pain and then I have a C-section and then I have low back pain. Probably there's a causal relationship there, but that kind of thing is hard to capture across the whole population because maybe someone had low back pain their whole life, they had a C-section, then they had low back pain some more. That's not, and maybe the low back pain was worse or different or harder to heal because of the C-section, but you can't capture that numerically in a study. So that can make this really frustrating from the perspective of the patient, because you're sitting there like saying, no, I did not have low back pain my whole life. And now I do, or I've had low back pain before, and this is not the same thing. This is different. Or maybe you're like, you know, maybe you're a nerd like me and you're like going and reading the research and you're like, I'm having pain with sex, but There's no evidence that that's a thing, so I must be imagining it, or it must be unrelated to the C-section. I promise you that I have talked to enough people uh, who are my own clients, and I've talked to enough pelvic floor PTs to know that this is not just random chance. There is an association between these things. So if we're seeing that association, what do we do, right? you already had the C-section. So like, of course, if you've never had a baby, if you're currently pregnant or, um, thinking about becoming pregnant and you're wondering, like, there are some things that are a higher incidence in vaginal birth, right? Like some very obvious things like pelvic organ prolapse, right? Like, obviously you're not going to have cervical pro or you're going to have a much much lower likelihood of cervical prolapse if your cervix hasn't opened to 10 centimeters and had a baby pass through it. Like that's, I think pretty obvious. So I did find conclusive research that shows that vaginal birth has a higher instance of certain things like a weak pelvic floor. So like an inability to really strongly contract or um, pelvic organ prolapse. But those things and I can tell you this from my experience working with people to do it, those things are relatively easy and straightforward, I should say, to to resolve, right? We know the course of action to fix those things. It's like, okay, it's weak, make it stronger, like just keep practicing. What's harder is when you've had a surgical intervention, we can't predict how your body might respond to it. And I think the psychological component of what was the context around your cesarean birth and the physiological kind of just like the magic of we don't know how your body is going to necessarily respond to any given intervention those two components can make can can be a huge difference between a c section having little to no lasting effect or significant lasting effects for the rest of your life So we've talked a little bit about what those effects may be. Urge incontinence or a feeling of having to pee when your bladder isn't necessarily really full. Um, So that would be urinary urgency. So urge incontinence or urinary urgency, Um, low back pain, digestive issues, and pain with penetration or pelvic floor tightness. Let's talk about why those things happen. When you have a C-section... Every layer of your abdominal tissue is cut open. It is a major, it's a major surgery. And if it was any other surgery that wasn't done routinely on 30% of the population in the United States, well, I guess I should say 15%, half of 30%, or 30% of birthing people, um... Then we probably would have, like, some pretty clear post-surgical protocols where it's like, OK, if someone has this kind of surgery, right, if I go have a knee surgery, I'm going to get referred to PT. Hopefully, I'm also going to get referred to, like, prehab, prehabilitative PT, where I do some PT before the surgery to improve my outcomes. And then I do PT after the surgery. That is not routinely done when we have a cesarean birth. It's just like, ah, we sliced you open, we stitched you back together, you're fine. Um, some of that is because you're working with soft tissue and generally soft tissue does heal a little bit more easily than, you know, a joint, but still it's a major surgical intervention and we have very little, um, standard practices around what should be done following a C-section. So you've had every layer of your abdominal tissue has been, cut open and then stitched back together. One thing that's going to happen is that's going to create weakness in the abdominal wall that you have to actually re-strengthen. So those are like your deep, deep abs or your transverse abs are where you get all of your spinal and pelvic stability. So it's no shock that this is associated with low back pain. If you don't actually rehab those muscles and get them firing again, then they're not going to be providing your SI joint and your low back any stability. So part of that is just the process of re-strengthening a muscle that's been cut apart. And part of that is our body responds in interesting ways to being stitched back up, right? So we develop scar tissue where we've been cut open and then stitched back up. And scar tissue is not a bad thing. I think often people get in their head, like this is just like a colloquially, we use scar tissue often. And we talk about like scar tissue is terrible. It's like, no, scar tissue is actually really good. It, it is where literally your body has created new cells to hold you together. We like scar tissue. It's really helpful. It is what's going to keep that incision from ripping back open again, or at least being very unlikely to rip back open again. So we love scar tissue. However, your body may like just get into this like process of laying down scar tissue to help this incision close back up and just kind of keep going and going and going and putting in more scar tissue than you need and getting the layers of tissue kind of stuck to one another. So when often people will say like, oh yeah, we're massaging something to break up scar tissue. We're not breaking it up but we may be creating more glide between the layers of scar tissue. So depending on your body, maybe you have lots of stickiness between the layers, which is going to further inhibit your body's ability for those muscles to fire very effectively because they can't, if they're like stuck to the other layers of tissue, then they can't go, they can't move very well. So the way that your body develops scar tissue may be part of why we have the symptoms that we have. There's also this part of it of like, if your body lays down a lot of scar tissue and there's like an association with like maybe some trauma going on as as well, or a lot of pain, we know if you've listened to other episodes, you know that pain and trauma both create gripping in our muscles, right? We like clench our core and we hold our abs in. That scar tissue can kind of adhere or stick your C section scar area to all kinds of other places in your abdomen which could be could be part of why we see some digestive issues right that it's like there's literally i um heard it described once as like someone who's had multiple C sections when they open it back up it looks like a melted box of crayons which is like such a gross visual, but I think it like gives you an idea of what I'm talking about, of like this scar tissue is just kind of like reaching out and sticking to other parts of the abdomen. I'm, I I want to be clear that I'm giving you like a very um, lay person description of this. Like, please don't be freaked out that like, literally your uterus is melting into all of the other parts of your body and you're just like a mush you're very much not but (laughs) your your connective tissue or your scar tissue may be attaching to other places that are attached to other places right so like everything is attached in your abdomen so the more stickiness we create the more places we're going to affect so that could be one reason that we have some digestive issues there's also the the psychological or the subconscious psychological part of this, which is like your body perceives an injury, right? And, and we, our bodies respond in crazy ways when we are injured, It can create this psychological injury where, which is a, a real thing that is like an actual medical term where the severity or the complications coming from an injury are greater because of the emotional trauma Around them, and then let's talk a little bit about the urge incontinence, urinary urgency, and and um, pelvic pain or pain with penetration. So, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you've heard me talk about pelvic floor tightness and the fact that our pelvic floor is not just like being like loose or like too open is definitely not the only concern that we can have around childbirth we can also have too much tightness. And I've also said before that my professional opinion is that pretty much every pregnant person has some level of pelvic floor hypertonicity or over tightness. It just makes sense. You have all of these joints that are loose That are, you know, because of relaxing your SI joint, your pubic bone, all of these joints are a little bit looser. And your body's gonna compensate for that looseness by holding tension in the muscle, trying to like help you function and be able to walk around without your SI and your pubic bone like falling apart. So there's lots of muscle tension in the pelvis. And also, you're carrying all this extra weight from the baby. When you don't have a vaginal birth, your body doesn't physically get like pushed open. Those muscles don't get manually released. If you've had um, pelvic floor physical therapy with manual therapy, then you know that one of the things we do for pelvic pain is we do manual therapy. We physically push on stretch the muscles. So vaginal birth is like a manual therapy combined with this huge hormone rush of like happy love hormones of oxytocin. That can resolve a lot of issues that may be happening. I mean, again, this is anecdotally. I've never seen studies that say this. This is just very much common sense. And I've, I've like heard other pelvic floor PTs agree with me on this, that there is this kind of magical thing that happens in birth. And, and I think not on accident, right? Our bodies are smart. We've created these uh, solutions for things that happen. So we have this hypertonicity in pelvic floor, in the pelvic floor in pregnancy and birth. we have this massive manual therapy combined with this huge wash of happy hormones and that will resolve a lot of issues. If you're not having a vaginal birth, then you might not get that, right? So if you don't have um, like if you have a, a labor or like a trial of labor, um, then you may get those hormones. You may not if you have pitocin. So pitocin is a um, a form of oxytocin. It's just a fake oxytocin. That's not the right word. Chemical. Like it's uh, <laughs> administered medically as opposed to happening naturally. And that's not maybe going to interact with your brain in the same way as the oxytocin that's being naturally produced in your body. They're chemically identical, but we think that there's something maybe about that process of the production of oxytocin or the quantity of the oxytocin and the pace of production that uh, does things a little bit differently to your brain and to your baby's brain, interestingly. Um, And then you're obviously, if you're having a C-section, you're not getting the manual opening of the pelvic floor, which, as I mentioned earlier, has its upsides, right? We have lower incidence of pelvic organ prolapse and weak pelvic floor in people who have had a uh, cesarean birth for that exact reason. Um, but that may be why we start to see pain with sex. Like, really high. It's the first question I ask. If people tell me they have pain with sex or they have a pelvic pain um, which is also other symptoms of pelvic pain, or urinary urgency, and um, constipation, incomplete bladder emptying, first thing I will ask is, did you have a C-section? Second thing I will ask is, do you have anxiety or another mental health issue? Because those two things create lots of tightness in the pelvic floor. Anecdotally, but I've asked those questions enough that I feel really confident saying that there is an association between those things. So what do we do about it? Let's talk about the three steps that may or may not be suggested by your provider that can make a huge difference in your C-section recovery. And these are things that happen like pre-full out exercise, pre-six week, um, you know, checkup and approval from your doctor to start exercising. By the way, six weeks for a post-operative um, intervention is is pretty short So you can definitely take longer than six weeks before doing stuff, but six weeks is usually the clearance of like, you can drive and you can like walk around. Um, so the first thing is scar massage. I talked a little bit about scar tissue earlier and how we're not breaking up scar tissue, meaning we're not like making it go away. We're just improving the glide between the layers of scar tissue. So this is not the best forum for me to communicate how to do a C-section scar massage, I'm going to do a video. So I'm creating a three part mini course that's going over these exact three parts that I'm about to tell you, um, which is going to be free for you to download. So if you're interested in getting the visuals of how to do the things I'm going to describe here, go to my website, go to the resources page. I'll link it here in the show notes. And by I will, I mean, Alex will thank you, Alex. Uh, go to the resources page of my website, sign up to be on my email list, and the email list will be the first two here when that three part mini course becomes available. So, scar massage, you can also Google just how to do C section scar massage. It's basically you just use a finger or two on your scar and you gently just glide the tissue up and down, side to side, circles, you stretch the scar. All you're doing is creating more mobility and less stickiness around the layers of that scar. As we progress further postpartum, or if you're someone who's already having some of the symptoms that I'm talking about, uh, you know, maybe six months or a year post C-section, then we might do some more intense abdominal massage where we're actually like kind of getting in there and what I lovingly like to say, spelunking around in your insides. Um, but that is not something that you're going to be doing immediate post C-section. You can just do gentle scar massage. And again, sign up for the three part free mini course to see how to do that. Or if you can't wait that long, you can just Google it. Part two is deep breathing, deep belly breathing. So we talked about some of the psychological components of this. We talked about how there's pelvic floor tightness because we're not necessarily, um, Getting a lot of manual stretch from the birth process, deep breathing where you're actually relaxing your abs and your pelvic floor is incredible post C section because one, that's going to manually, right? It's another form of massage. So if you have that C section scar, it is a way to really gently, and obviously if you're like a day postpartum, you might try to take a deep breath and be like, oh, ow. So don't do it obviously if it hurts, but once you're healed enough that you can breathe deeply and those tissues can move a little bit without any discomfort. Deep breathing is what's going to help you improve the mobility of the tissues and also help you release the pelvic floor. So you want to feel that your pelvic floor is not clenched. Also, there's this wonderful side benefit that deep breathing is also the solution to a lot of cycle, not the solution. It is one way of managing a lot of psychological or emotional stress. So if you are someone who holds tension in your core and your pelvic floor when you're stressed, and you're now dealing with like a crying baby and the like potential maybe trauma of having this emergency C section, deep breathing will also help you feel better, thereby creating less tension, less clenching in the pelvic floor. And then the last step is pelvic floor stretches. So whether you have symptoms in your pelvic floor, so symptoms being what we've been talking about, pain with sex, urinary urgency, all of those things, whether or not you have those symptoms, there's probably going to be some amount of holding or gripping in the pelvic floor. And that might not manifest as issues in the pelvic floor. They may contribute to things like weirdness happening in your hips your low back, your knees. I mean, your pelvic floor influences everything. So pelvic floor stretches, things like half happy baby, full happy baby, uh, figure four stretch. All of these are different ways of getting at moving. I mean, if, it, if it's helpful to visualize, think about what can I do to like pull on or shift or move my sit bones. So figure four stretches, one, happy baby. We can kind of visualize, oh yeah, half happy baby would be like totally pulling all of the um, tissues that attach to my sit bone. Those kinds of things are going to help alleviate any tightness that is happening there. And also may give you some awareness of tightness. If you're not having symptoms yet, then it might give you some awareness of like, oh, there is like more tightness on my left side versus my right side. That's all really useful information. So again, that's going to be in the mini course. I'll show you. I'll demonstrate some of these stretches that you can do. If you Google Kelly Bryant Wellness pelvic floor stretches or if you click through the show notes, I also have a blog post that has my favorite pelvic floor stretches, and I have a whole free video just of um, pelvic floor tightness stretches. So those are great resources as well if you can't wait for the three-part mini course. Try those. Um, And again, as long as you're not having like actual pain around the incision and you're like okay to move your legs around, you can do those things right away. So, all three steps are things that you can start doing right away. So, that is where I'm going to leave you today. We've covered some of the issues that come with C sections frequently, why those might not be represented in the data or in the research because you're a unique human being why they happen, so why they're associated with C-sections, and the three steps that you want to take to help resolve them, whether you're having symptoms or not. And those three steps are things that you can do right away before, um, before even maybe you're cleared to exercise, because they're not exercises. Scar massage, uh, deep belly breathing, and pelvic floor stretches. That is it for today. Again, go to the resources page, sign up to be on my email list so that you are the first to know when that comes out and share this episode with someone who's had a C-section who maybe needs a little bit of support or guidance, or is feeling kind of like, ah, what do I do? Um, and again, I love all of y'all C-section parents. This is hard shit whether you chose to have a C-section or it was kind of thrust upon you in the moment, you may have symptoms, you may have um, some emotional trauma there. There's no shame in any of that. Get the help that you need. Find a therapist, find a parenting group, whatever is going to be most useful for you. You deserve support. The fact that you did not have a vaginal birth does not mean that you don't need all of the same kinds of support. You need all of it and maybe more. Have an amazing day and I will talk to you next week. Any of the resources mentioned in today's episode will be available in the show notes. So go ahead to your podcast app and open up the show notes or you can find them right on my website. And I would be so grateful if you would share today's episode with a friend. So just go back to your podcast app, hit the share button and send the link over to someone who you think would benefit from this. And lastly, if you want bonus brownie points, you can go rate and review the podcast. This helps new subscribers find us and get some awesome benefits from listening to today's episode. Thanks again for being here and have an awesome week.